Panther fans who want to keep pounding. For the ones who want an inside look at the vault. This 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 is views from Midstream. Now here's your host Lonzo Wrightsell and Rob Brown. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another exhilarating edition of the Views from Mitt Street podcast. Glad to have you along. We are set to talk week two action as the Cats are on the road at the Meadowlands taking on the New York football Giants. We're going to get into the numbers, into the X's, into the O's, into the Jimmy's, and the Joe's coming up here in just a minute. But allow us once again to introduce ourselves. My name is Rob Brown, host of the Rob Brown Show, which airs weekdays in Greenville, South Carolina. And of course, joining me on the Views from Mint Street podcast, as always, my co-host Lonzo Reitzel is over in his big cat cave. Zo, big matchup in week number two. And, you know, we talked about preseason. I think both of us were gunning for preferably being on the right side of that eight, nine, nine, eight mark. But if we're going to get there after what happened last week in a heartbreaker against Cleveland, I think this week is going to be labeled a must win for Matt rule at this point. Oh, absolutely. A must win. And I know you and I are really excited about getting to week two and it's been a long week waiting for it to get here and it's here. So imagine what the players are feeling, especially after that second half and they know how well they played in the second half and have that heartbreak where they should have won the game. Uh, knowing what they're capable of and what they can do this week, they got to be looking forward to this game and uh, going up to New York, get, getting the job done. So we're going to talk about some of the X's and O's, some of the players that we think are going to be key pieces of a W on the road at the New York Giants. But I want to start with what I think and I'd be willing to bet Lonzo agrees with me, though I do not know this for a fact yet. But the one thing that is the biggest concern for me in this game, and I'm not going to be shaking any branches that haven't been shooketh already in bringing this up, but it has to be brought up. And that is the fact that the Carolina Panther rushing defense must get better. Last week, 217 yards rushing 5.6 yards per carry and a rushing touchdown surrendered. That's not good enough. And it's certainly not good enough when you go look at the offensive statistics, because the number one rushing team in the national football league last week, 238 yards accomplished by Saquon Barkley and the New York Giants. We're going to talk passing offense, what we need out of Baker, what we need out of wide receivers, etc. And all of that is important, though. But the Giants were the best rushing team in week one. The Panthers were the second worst rushing defense in week one. And those two numbers added together, if those stats say the same, not going to be good news for Sunday the rushing attack starting with Derek Brown and working its way out and back has to be better on Sunday afternoon. Well, I, I think you've got to look at what happened in the second half for the Carolina Panthers last week and how much the defense stepped up in the second half. They played a much better second half. They're, uh, 
they were able to contain the run in the second half. They were able to do things that they should have done in the first half. Am I concerned? Yeah, I'm concerned, but not as concerned as I would have been if the Panthers defense would have played the same way the entire game, which they did not because in the second half of the game against the Browns, finally the offense was starting to move the ball and kept the defense off the field some. So if you get some long sustained drives by the offense, which I believe is going to happen in this game, uh, then you keep Saquon off the field. And if you keep Saquon off the field, you get them behind. If the Panthers go down and score some touchdowns, then the Giants have to abandon the run to a certain degree, and then it's no longer that much of a concern. Yeah, no, listen, and, and I do want to I do want to point out that they they certainly got better as the game goes on, but the time of possession in the first half was miserable. And I've heard a lot of people say, well, that's that's on the offense, right? The offense needs to be able to put together sustained drives. The offense needs to be able to put together clock turning drives. The offense needs to give the defense sometimes the right. And that's all true. I'm not taking away from the validity of those statements, Lonzo. What I am going to say is that, especially early, the defense has the ability to get itself off the field as well. And I know they were getting tired because they were getting churned up, but there were a number of third down situations that Carolina's defense just could not get a stop, just could not get a stop, got gashed. And again, we talked about this back on Monday's pod when we were reacting to the L versus the Browns. You went against maybe the most dynamic running back duo in the National Football League in Chubb and Hunt. And certainly it, it, it needs to be reasoned into whatever your conclusion is that that was a factor, there's no doubt about that. But you are also about to go up against the National Football League's best week one running back and Saquon Barkley. And while Barkley may not have the backup in uh, Dontrell Hilliard and uh, that, or excuse me, no, no, that's the, uh, that's sorry, I got Tennessee on the brain. While Saquon may not have the backup in Matt Breda, uh, Kadarius Tony is still available. He didn't really get much last week, and I want to talk about that coming up in a minute because I I was a little surprised. Everybody was talking about the week one game where Cam Akers disappeared from the Rams offense. I kind of feel the same way about Kadarius Toney, and we'll talk about that, but Saquon doesn't have the backup punch that Nick Chubb had when they were able to go with Kareem Hunt, but he also churned up 168. Now, 68 of those, I think, came on one run. So you take that one run off the board and Saquon doesn't cross the century mark. The problem is Saquon has that home run ball potential. Every time he touches the rock, you know, we asked the question in the last pod, is it time for Panthers fans to start getting concerned about D Brown? And I said, the answer is yes, but this would be a really, really good week for him to quiet that conversation down. If he doesn't have a pass rush, he doesn't have a pass rush. I don't like a top 10 pick for a defensive lineman that doesn't have a pass rush. But if he doesn't have a pass rush, he better be exceptional against the run. And this better be the week that he proves that he is. Well, not only you have to worry about Saquon, you also have to worry about Daniel Jones, who has the ability and 
sometimes does take off and run. So you got to worry about that too. Going back to the defense and how they did last game, you pointed out third down. Third down was the problem. It absolutely was. Uh, Quite a few times they had the Browns down with some major yards to go and it gave up a big third down play. So, you know, I just want to, I want to chalk it up to game one jitters. I mean, our sample size is very small. Uh, we could overreact to what happened last Sunday and say, oh, we're in for a long game. We very well may be. Or the Panthers come out and play like they did in the second half, maybe even better, and not necessarily stop Saquon Barkley, but keep him from scoring points. I, I, what I need, what I need is them to prevent him from being a momentum shift. Right, I need them to stop him from hitting the home run ball. I mean, listen, if you can keep Saquon to like a 3.3, 3.5 yards per carry average, it's about as good as you can hope for. And, and, and I don't care what ranked rushing defense you have. If you can keep Saquon to an under three points, I mean, I'm talking under 3.5, 3.6 yards per carry day, that's about as good as you can ask for. And in that case, you're forcing other guys to step up and make plays around him. And the Giants certainly have some playmakers, but they are not the Giants of old. And I would much prefer the game to be, although I don't think he is as bad as a lot of people are making him out to be. I would much rather Carolina find a way to put the game on the arm of Danny Dimes than on the legs of Saquon Barkley because Saquon's legs are tree trunks. And I don't want to have to put, I want to have to stop Saquon in order to win, I'd rather try to stop Daniel Jones, 17 of 21, 188, two touchdowns and one interception and a one-point victory over the Titans last week. But I think that number is impressive. They threw the ball 21 times. They ran the ball 32 times in that game. I want to force the New York Giants to be balanced, right? They're a run-heavy team. I'm going to force them to be balanced. And if you can force them to be a balanced football team, though, you got a much better chance of winning this game. Absolutely, because one of the bigger questions the last couple of years has been the quarterback. And is he the quarterback of the future for them? So you need to put the pressure on him. The questions wouldn't be out there if they didn't need to be out there. Uh, you know what you get with Saquon. Saquon is a beast. And... uh you got to be able to stop him, contain him. And again, make sure he doesn't score points or get long runs and get them in the red zone. Another problem that that Carolina had last week was field position. They just kept getting it kept being uh, on their side of the field almost every single play. So they were behind it every time they started out. So there are a lot of things that can be done better, but starting out with containing the run and putting it on Daniel Jones. That's what they have to do. And you know what? That was, I'm sure, the game plan going up against Cleveland, too, uh, where you wanted Brissett to do that, and they weren't able to accomplish it. And that's what makes me nervous, because I agree. It is the exact same tactics, the exact same strategy that you have to employ against the Giants as you did against the Browns. The strategy against the Browns was don't let Nick Chubb, don't let Kareem Hunt bust the game. Don't let those guys 
go off for big runs. Don't let them change the offense. Because when you do, I mean, you talk about field position, and I agree with you, Carolina was starting on the short field more often than they weren't with their backs against the wall. That is a direct result of Cleveland being able to sustain drives, reeling off five, six yards a run, pushing the ball into Carolina territory. So by the time you did create the occasional fourth down, and they were punting. They were punting from midfield. They were punting from the, the the 45 going in. And you had your back against the wall the entire game because of it. That's the result of a defense just getting worked at the line of scrimmage. And, and, and again, if that was the same situation here, if we end up in the same spot where Saquon Barkley is consistently driving the Giants out to midfield, across midfield, into Panthers territory, and that's where your third down stops are coming, then yeah, you are going to be not only asking Baker and the gang to give you longer and sustained drives, but you're going to have them pinned up against the end zone to start these drives, which of course takes away from the play sheet. It takes away from the plays that are available to you in that spot. And it, it it kind of makes the offense go from what should be a multi-dimensional offense to an offense that's just got to got a power run out of it. And we are right now, I'm sorry to say, and this may change later in the year, what is not a power run team? We haven't been a power run team in a couple of years. Uh, I, I said all offseason, I said on the first few episodes of this pod preseason that I would like to see Chuba Hubbard be more involved in a power run game. But the offensive line's not good enough to be a power run team right now. We need to get there because they're built to be a power run offensive line. They are still gelling. They're still forming. If we find ourselves with our back against the wall more often than we don't, this could be a long day. I just, uh, you know, I think emotion ruled a lot of last week because of everything that was behind uh, the fact that that Baker was playing his old team. I think nerves got the best of the entire team. You're not going to have that pressure. It's not going to matter this week the way it did last week. This week is more of just a game than last week was. Let me ask you this. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not a, this may shock some of you. So sit down before I say it. I have never played in the national football league before. Uh, I have co-hosted with NFL players. I have interviewed NFL players. I have spoken on and off the record with NFL players in the past. And I've asked them the concept about the jitters. I've asked them the concept about the nerves. Do NFL players get nerves on week one or playoff games or Super Bowls? The way that we talk about, you know, high school guys and college guys. And I've had a lot of NFL players say, yeah, they do. I mean, it doesn't matter how many years in the league, week one every year is special. There's something special about it because it's been a minute since you've done it. Uh, you got new guys around you. Even if you've got the same head coach and coordinator, there are going to be new wrinkles in the book that you've been putting in. And this is the first time that you're going to be called on to get out there and execute to get it done. You know, first game jitters, I a hundred percent believe are real. And I'm kind of with you optimistically though, that that is what happened in week one, that it, it, it just was a bunch of new guys uh, trying to get in, trying to find the chemistry, a offensive coordinator and a head coach that know that if they're going to save the job, this is the game that, that, that they need to get started off on the right foot. 
I have no doubt that they had heard over and over and over and over that this game was being labeled by fans, at least as a must win football game. If we can chalk what happened in week one up to first game jitters, that would be spectacular, but they better be gone. This better be a team that comes out with confidence, especially, and I know we're spending a lot of time in this first segment talking defense, especially defensively. They better come out, fly around, hit some folks early, Lonzo, and create a situation where they're winning the battle of field position early in this game. You know, I agree, but I still say that that was basically the Baker Bowl. I, I, you'd have to be under a rock to not hear about, you know, Baker returning to the team that did him wrong and all that kind of stuff. This is your guy. You're trying to help your guy out, and you get uh, some jitters, but you also get an overabundance of adrenaline. Have you ever had too much adrenaline? When you get too much adrenaline, you need a release, and it, it causes you to make some mistakes. This game against the Giants is more so the first game than the last game was because there's no emotion behind it other than go out, do your job, and win the game. Yeah, and and certainly I think the, the, the pressure is on. I, I, I can't imagine that these guys don't understand – that this has the feeling uh, of a must-win football game, right? Like, they know. They get it. If if this team is to be, and we have talked about it, there are a lot of talking heads, that have picked Carolina as a dark horse playoff team. And what that tells me is that they have got the talent on the roster to make themselves into a playoff team, and you can see it if you look at it. I think there are a lot of folks who just dismissed Carolina, right? They were bad last year. They've got Matt Rule still. They're going to be bad this year. It's easy to dismiss them on paper without taking a deeper look. On paper, this team's got the talent and the ability to get out there and be a playoff football team. But this game, if they want to accomplish that feat, becomes must win because down the road, the schedule's not getting easier. The schedule's not getting easier. You start divisional play next weekend with the Saints coming to town. New Orleans is 1-0. Granted, it was over a bad Falcons team. After the Saints, you've got the Cardinals, a decent team. The 49ers, we'll see if they're better. Trey Lance did not look great and won. Then you got the Rams, a Super Bowl favorite. Then the Bucks, a Super Bowl favorite. Then you got a uh, yeah, down week, Halloween weekend against the Falcons. Then you got the Bengals. The Ravens are coming up. The Broncos are coming up. Uh, the next probably seven weeks of the season don't line up well for you. You need to take every win you can get to come out of the gate. This week and next week against New Orleans, Again, I can't say this is a must-win game. This is a must-win game. Has to be. And the defense has to know that, and they got to play like it. They've got to pin the ears back. They've got to bear the teeth. They've got to go try to knock Danny Dimes into the ground. By the way, Tennessee, five sacks against Daniel Jones last week. He is get-to-able, but the pass rush must improve, and the rushing defense needs to limit Saquon to give the to, to, to force the Giants into throwing the ball so that the pass defense can go pick up a few sacks.